the Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC Vegas 52 and Bellator Hawaii Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com as well as OddsCheckerUS.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this on a Thursday night in the, the wee hours of the night. Uh, and actually, it's Thursday night. It's not quite uh, after midnight. We're going to let it all hang out. What, what are they going to let it all hang out? What are they talking about this song? Anyways, we don't need to picture that. Uh, apologies for that. Well, we're going to hang out in a semi-appropriate way, as we, you know, kind of tend to do, I guess. Either way, thank you for being here. Check the timestamps for when the UFC Vegas 52 or when any of the Bellator Hawaii. Uh, we're, I'm going to briefly breeze through uh, those as well. I'll timestamp uh, all those for you. Um Check the show notes or the, uh, you know, maybe they're still called the show notes or whatever if they're on YouTube as well. Daniel Tom MMA, I don't deserve your subscriptions, but thank you for those of you subscribe and comment. Uh, I'm still working around and getting back to y'all. I've been bad about getting back to my messages. Trying, It's just hard, as, as you can tell by everybody. We're all swimming in fights from last weekend, this weekend. Again, and I'm not trying to, you know, do the I told you so bit or whatever, but uh, it, it I do feel like the 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 choir what was once a choir of uh, you know there's still a lot of bootlicking out there but you know the oh there's not enough fights or you know uh, why do you guys want a break boo there should be fights every week I feel like that crowd's kind of quieted down I feel like even they've gotten their their bloodlust and fill fulfilled at this point of just ultimate content filling but that that is what we're here to do I'm gonna give you the best I got for both cards as per usual and of course I break down everything from top to bottom in that order and at the very end of the show if you want to skip to that listen to less of me <laughs> you're probably not alone uh, I do do it for that reason though to save you some time since again these are kind of uh, I'm not gonna say the expedited words but you know what I mean they they're not done they're not out to the end of the week which you know it's probably for the better to be honest like for uh, us doing content and you uh, trying to, you know, um, make use and make this content meaningful, right? Use it as a proper reference point, whether it's here and the many other places, I hope. I hope you're not just listening to an idiot like me. But I do, uh, like Brody from Mallrats, occasionally squeeze out a few gems. So that's, why I guess, why you guys come here and, uh, you know, probably more consistent and more winning than I give myself credit for, which another reason why I want to track but this year's this year's been a bit crazy folks but yeah i'll, I'll recap pick some plays at the very end of the episode and check the timestamps. um yeah uh just just trying to get back into the swing of things speaking of swinging got a little too excited swinging kettlebells and i'm hoping i didn't uh retab my labrum because uh i'm hoping to be getting into a program program uh we'll see uh possibly um i've kind of hinted at it and uh, it's basically, I mean, there's enough fucking media people doing this or versions of it. It's like not even a secret anymore. But yeah, uh, Rich True, uh, former uh, Bellator and Strike Force matchmaker, uh, approached me like last year about um, doing a. 
this guy's got to stop messaging me, man. He me- <laughs> oh, no, no, he's, he's a great dude. But, like, he messaged me last year. He's like, hey, uh, you're going to be doing this program. You know, he's like, we got, you know, Casey from MMA Fighting, which there's concluded. You know, we were doing them in California right now at this time last year. It's like, yeah, we're going to do a Vegas one. So like, you'd like to do it. And I was like, yeah, man. I'm like, I don't, it's weird. It's like, I, I like physically, athletically, by the eye test, I'm like the least quality. Like, ah, oh, give me Dan Tom. Give me, give me that pushover, you know? But um, at the same time, like, you know, like not only like would I have more experience than anybody in like a Wim to Warrior like program, like, you know, if, if you really wanted to fluff it up, which some fighters do, by the way, when they don't even when they don't need to. But, you know, if I really want to fluff it up, like I look at these UFC bio sheets I look at every week and uh, I wasn't trying to be I told you so, by the way, with the Kyle Ohio. I know everybody doesn't get those. But that being said, Kyle Ohio, you know, I. We listen to commentary on fights or, or Kyle Bahio interviews. He did, you know, cite his accolades there. Granted, uh, I'll get to that when I get to that. But the point is, I bring up the bio sheets uh, when I look at these every week, and I'm like, "Fuck, man!" I'm like, got just as much accolades, you know, as like some of these some of these people put down on these sheets. And you know, you, you know, I'm not at a high level. I suck. Yes, granted, granted, of course, of course. But um, you know, at the same time, throwing punches and kicks or having punches and kicks thrown at me by the years, by the punches and kicks just quantified themselves um you know <laughs> it's a lot it's, it's fucking up there so i don't know if i'll be able to compete even if i you know uh, you know or, or whatnot i, I just want to do the thing i don't want to get i don't want to put the horse for the cart especially with my luck because of course rich hits me up last year right and then of course what happens literally the next week i bust my hand i'm like motherfucker because I was spending all last year just to be like pre-camp to get back into shape so I could get into working out, um, which is just efficient, right? You, like you hear fighters say that you don't want to spend your camp um, making the weight. You want to spend your camp getting better, strategizing, so on and so forth, getting sharp, right? You want to almost have that pre-camp. And, and, and Lord knows do I need it with all, all the weight I've gained and just like the fact that I've had this repetitive theme of injuries popping up. Uh, like just fucking nonstop um, in life, apparently. Uh, you know, whenever I've been trying to get back on track for over half a decade now, since 2015. So um, I'm just like, I just need something to keep saying. So like, just yeah, yeah. When it gets closer, hit me back up. You know, Rich, let's do this. Anyways, pre-camp gets fucked up last year. All this chaos, right? It's just been chaos this whole beginning of this year, even right. We all went through that. I don't need to go back through that. And um, okay, finally coming out of it. All right. You know what? I uh, sure I had to take, unfortunately, take you know a bunch of life stuff to start blowing up, to you know, lose money, take some time off work, fuck me up during negotiation times, as you saw. Which, by the way, shouts to like Abby, George, goes all the people deservedly so. You saw them MMA junkie getting bumped to full time again. I'm not not making this stuff up, folks. It was a it was a crucial time, and uh, your boy missed a window there. Um, and because of that too, uh, Bellator. If you're wondering why I'm not in Bellator, Hawaii right now, uh, hanging out with Popo Doris. Uh, is because, again, right around that time where I have to take that break, Bellator Hawaii announces they're going to do their thing. And it's like, you know, for one, I, I you know, full disclosure, I, I paid my way to go out there both times, folks. They're not paying for me to go out there because uh, beat reporting is not my beat. There's much better people, much more qualified people. Hence, we've had, you know, we had uh, John Morgan and Kenny the first time, uh, Matt Erickson last time and this time, and I believe Nolan and Matt are out there. 
Um, so they wouldn't ask me anyways, much less ask me when I'm like clearly going through shit and on like a work break. So there was just a bunch of things going against me. Um, and, and again, money don't grow on trees and I, I lost money. I'm still recouping from, from said break that fucked all of this and a bag of chips up for me. Um, so yeah, no belt or Hawaii, but I will be breaking, uh, that down. But yeah, anyway, so that all fucking settles or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I, I last few weeks I've been getting back into shape. Uh, working out, oh, it's been feeling so fucking great, man. Working out, um, gonna hang up the brackets for the uh, home gym punching bags. As as you know, I've been taking more and more steps for that as well. Um, in the garage, all, all things working toward this quietly behind the scenes. Um, and Rich texted me last week, I think, of because he was seeing if I was up at the San Jose shows. I mean, now I'm coming from home. And sure enough, the next day I'm like fucking all pumped. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's right. It's still it's still going. Maybe you know, let's talk. Oh, maybe this program's gonna happen. I'm just getting in my head. Just fucking the fires are getting all stoked again, right? And I just go at it with a fucking kettlebell workout. Um, just heavy. And I even do these new ones that I this new exercise I almost forgot about. And it wasn't anything too crazy. They're like kind of like suitcase carry variations where like you just essentially like uh, you know you're kind of like uh, it's not a squat because your feet are kind of closer together, but you're uh, reaching down to pick up the kettlebell beside you with proper posture. Um. Like it's a suitcase, and then you set it down across from you, and that whole control of having to reach across and, and control, and then you, you repeat and do the left side, right, and, you know, back and forth. I think I fucked up somewhere there, because I haven't done that thing in for a while, and I'm not doing it under supervision. <laughs> and uh, just getting crazy, man, just getting excited, and I uh, went hard, and sure enough, uh, feeling pains in my shoulder that feel all too familiar from when I had my labrum tear two years ago. So um, I need to make a doctor's appointment anyways to go get my health checked out and a bunch of other things blood work and stuff done uh so i might as well go get that checked out and he can do his o'brien's test or whatever they did last time to figure out um that i had the labrum tear in that runaround from late 2019 early 2020 that i was dealing with so i don't know man and you know i don't even care to disclose this stuff because it's like let's say i go through this program and you know i have to do it nursing an injury and i'll probably pick up a bunch more injuries because that's how the game goes and again my luck um it sounds like these programs, you get to know each other. It's not like you're going to be able to hide injuries from the people you compete against anyways, even if I get to the program, even if I get to that point, even if they allow me to compete. So a lot of ifs, but your boy is, uh, not that you cared about any of that rant, it's a big deal for me because I just needed to not go crazy, man. You really see, working out's a fucking privilege. That's why I hate these bootstrap mentalities because it's like, yeah, some people need to hear it, but like, there's a bunch of people like myself who are know the fucking benefits of it. Like, we're well aware how much better our lives would be. And we're trying, but life's real. Something shit happens, you know? Family, real-life responsibilities, work. You know, you guys know this. I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm not saying anything new. Um, but even the strongest, air quotes, people in the world, as we see, we're here for mixed martial arts, when they get injured and aren't, aren't able to do what they love, we see how much it affects them, and that's kind of the shit I've been going through. So, all that to say, as we push through the fights here, I promise, uh, I just wish me some good juju uh, if you can. I'm, I really need it um, to get through healthy. Clearly, we're going to be dealing with the same beats in this game. No matter how positive I am, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's fuck them up. We'll get to that. But uh, if I could get some, 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 some uh, you know, it's it, it just really important. Just, just physical health, man. Physical health, you know, uh, mental health. And, and you can't, you know, sometimes you can't have one without the other. They're both important, so. That's what your boy's working toward. All right, we're working toward uh, Bellator 277 recap. Um, not much to talk about there. Uh, 
B recap. Um, I'm just going to talk about Nemkov and uh, Darnell running my sport, Corey Anderson. Man, um, this would have been a, a good, a good. You know, it's funny. This was a losing weekend for me, and there was some 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 bad, just straight up bad bets that I'll own up to for sure. We'll get to it in a second here. Um, but um, and bad bets that I didn't take, uh, good bets that I didn't take, right? Uh, officially. Um, but it's funny because all in all, this was a losing night, and I still consider this a very, you know, a good luck night for me. You know, I'm trying to keep things fair. I'm trying to call things as they are, right? Right? Trying to raise my hand when I make a bad call. Not, not, no bad beats. It's just some bad bad calls on my part, which we'll get to, and I'll fully own up. Uh, but at the same time, it is funny that, like, a good night for me of good beats is a night where, like, um, I still end up losing at the end of the night and passing on winning bets and losing in my bank account. <laughs> Again, I think only a unit, thank God. Officially, a little less, uh, which we'll get to. But yeah, um, although you really can't claim it on this one uh, because I didn't bet Nemkov and I didn't tell you to bet Nemkov. I just picked him. And people were like, hey, Dan, I'm surprised you weren't going to lay it on Nemkov because you bet him last time. And it's this like bias that we all have where we like um, we get very, you know, again, like I said last week, we, we, we cash on someone and there's that natural bias. We want to cash on them again. I'm guilty of it all the time. Sometimes you can, you know, sometimes you get caught speeding, right? Which is the worry, which was my worry, um, why I stayed off. And sometimes you don't. Uh, but that being said, like I tweeted, man, hearts out to Corey Anderson first and foremost and his supporters, whether it's his family, friends, or any of y'all that bet on him because um, I'm pretty sure y'all should have cashed that ticket. I mean, obviously with the rules, I'm not complaining. It was really unfortunate. It just had to go a little longer into the third for, uh, into the third technically for it to go to the cards. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, and I know it's MMA. We never know, so I don't want to be too certain. But I, I want to give credit where credit's due, man. And it looked like Corey Anderson and, and all y'all who bet him, you guys were on your way to the betting window. And that was a, a really brutal beat, and I completely feel for you. And I, sh- I want to put that out there. Um, the next one... Um, I did pick right, and a lot of you cashed, which was awesome, and you gave me credit, which I appreciate, but really, um, you guys deserve the credit. It's your money. You're the ones betting it. I'm just I'm just a reference point, but if you want to shout me, uh, you know, or give me some love, that, that uh, share, uh, you know, uh, whatever, any kind of the ways you show support, that's, that's of course, always appreciative, and you guys know I appreciate that, but, uh, you know, you, you all need to take credit for the bets. I'm not telling you where to put your money. Y'all are big boys and girls um, and, and can do that on your own. So grats that you did because I, I made all the sense. I put the stats. I put the analysis out there via Twitter, via here, via my breakdowns. Um, and I didn't go back to watch the fight. Uh, you know, you know, it's one of those ones where, you know, you have the close round argument, which automatically you can always do that kind of scapegoat argument of, well, it could go either way, which, you know, it can be really convenient how we apply that. So I try not to lean too much into that either or even on times like this where it benefits me. Um, and I didn't go back to watch the fight, so I can't really pontificate anyways. Or, But I, I will say that enough people who didn't bet the fight, enough people who didn't pick Pitbull, enough people whom I respect um, had no issue with the scores. So uh, um, there's that So for, for what that's worth. But... And I'm not selectively trying to go back on this and that. It's just so hard to make time to go back to watch anything. Uh, I will say I did make some free plays on Pitbull um, by decision and Pitbull in the houses because uh, I didn't really use free play on anything. So I actually, um, again, I lost a little less than a unit off the books. But when I did that, again, I, at that point, I already tweeted 
uh, pre-podcast and said on the podcast that I wasn't uber confident. Um, and they were free plays, like, for real small amounts of money. Like, uh, and I, I did, you know, tell one person admitting to him DM, I believe. Um, at, at least, you know, so um, not, you know. Not pumping my chest out, but if for some reason someone wanted to call me on something that I'm humbly hat in hand, not even counting, I mean, uh, I guess I have proof for whatever reason. But yeah, uh, off the books, L- lost a little less than one unit, which 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 helped there. But again, I can't take credit for it, and it was a losing night regardless, with some really bad fucking calls on my end in the UFC, which we'll get to. Uh, let's do that now. Sixteen thirty-two. Uh, UFC uh, recap on ESPN thirty-four, UFC Vegas fifty-one. Uh, we went nine and five overall in picks, which is not too bad. But we lost where it counted. We went zero and one in the parlay. Two out of three legs doesn't matter. It's still a loser. One and zero in the straight play, which we'll get to. Um, and zero and one in the prop, which I deserve to lose that one. So we'll get to that one too because that's right off the top. That prop was, of course, Luke inside the distance. Uh, Bilal Muhammad defeated Vincente Luke uh, unanimous decision. Um, yeah, man, smart fight by Muhammad. Like, I don't know, like, like usual, folks, I'm not, surprise, surprise, I'm not in one camp or the other. Um, I'm not hating on Muhammad completely, but I'm not like S and his D just because he's a media darling. And that's often the hard thing. I saw a lot of hatred for Muhammad, which was unwarranted, but if you don't like his style, that's totally cool. Like, I don't, I don't blame you. It's not the most exciting, you know? He just fights smart, man. And I appreciate the hell out of that, even when I pick and bet against him. So I've always liked Muhammad, even though I've picked against him. Uh, it's not that I dislike him. I hate picking against a shy town boy, but uh, uh, you know, and a Palestine rep. Um, you know, he repping Palestine on the mic, uh, on the mic, and it's just a good dude, man. He just gets a lot of hate. Uh, I've always liked Muhammad, so even though I lost the bet here, it didn't upset me. But I think what it is, and because I have that contrarian gene too, and. And I think what it is, and and again, I understand anybody doesn't like him for the style. It's, it's totally cool. You don't gotta like the fucking like the guy, right? I get it, but I think you know a lot of that is that pushback because he's so media darlinged up. And we'll talk about you know like um, Angela Hill um, when we talk about Lemo Hill. That it's just so hard when you have fighters who are media darlings, especially fighters who are media darlings on the desk. So you're getting. You know, the media, like my colleagues, are kind of S and the D, right? And then you have even more powerful and potent, the broadcast media, right? S and the D. Because they are the filter to which that informs many of us. Uh, casuals to hardcores to, to pros alike. You know, to the, all the scores, a lot of the scores you see in MMA decisions can be shaped by commentary. As it's hard to prove, but I would like to say that I've pointed out consistently on this show that not enough people do because we are humans and we are subject to human biases and error um, as seemingly needs reminded, right? Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I was going with that shit. But uh, but yeah, it's it just, just, yeah, so when you have a fighter that's a media darling and a media darling on the broadcast because they're like on, on the panel on the desk like like Angie or Bilalas and I like them both so I'm, I hate this because I, I feel like an asshole and I sound like an asshole but it needs to be said because again, it has legs to it. It's It's the truth. You're not going to get, like, fat chance slash good fucking luck getting honest analysis or honest commentary from when these people fight. You're just not going to get it. 
You know, we'll get again. We'll get to Hill and Lemos how 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 awful it was, and just it just and that just you know puts a tint on everybody's purview, especially when it's the broadcast media doing it in conjunction with my my colleagues, my side of media too, right? We're we're, we're guilty as well, um, and you get that with Bilal. So you have people like you know, like I I think it was great. I lost money. I picked against them, and I'm, I'm fucking giving them props. But at the same time, it's like. I don't think we need to get on our knees and and and, and suck off Bilal for this one. You know what I'm saying? Like let, let's let's relax. We've, you know, this is it was a good game plan. You know, um, I, I get it. Okay, let, let's let let's easy easy. It's a family show, right? Let's 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 stand up and zip up. Um, but that's that's kind of what you're gonna get. So what you see because of that, you're all you're gonna see pushback, and then it becomes because with everything in the world, because there's not enough of my team versus your team. And yeah, uh, but I, I fall in the middle, and my bet uh, falls short. Um, yeah, Luka didn't fight that great, uh, and Muhammad, you know, did what he needed to do, fought smart, came prepared as he does, um, and like really deserves a lot of credit, man. The mental of coming off of any kind of loss, especially someone you lost to, uh, it gets in your head. Like that's 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 huge, man. That's huge. Everybody has that one person that owns them at the gym. I mean, imagine in a fight, you know, could Luke be the guy? Like that that is really big. So uh, no, no hate at all for that. Next fight, Comain was um, Kyle Bohio uh, defeated a uh, Godzio Margajiev. Um, yeah, it's one. This one. This is the one bet I cash, and it's like it's funny. It's like I got lucky to cash it, right? Because, um, even you know, again, I don't have an issue with the point deduction, and it's a, it ultimately comes down to this really gray area of intentional versus unintentional. These points have been brought up by other people already a billion times this week. I'm not trying to get too far into that. Hopefully, you guys have done your due diligence listening to this podcast, um, and uh, on your own as far as the rules there, but um. But yeah, I mean, it is referee discretion ultimately, and regardless of what we think of that, whether we agree with it, whether we like it, um, referee discretion is just is is huge in there in these areas, in these gray areas. And um, I was really worried, you know. It's just like, it's funny. It's like I talk shit about her dean stoppage after this whole like crazy laundry list. I've had multiple episodes on bad stoppages where he dominates the rankings. There's all this evidence, right? So I'm not out of line saying that. But of course, you know, I tweet. I, uh, you know, a very critical tweet of her team. And then he goes and like turns in one of the best stoppages of the year, you know, and good on him. I, I, again, I, like I tweeted, I, I owned up to it right away, but, uh, you know, same thing with big Dan, like something like, I think it was like Joey Odessa was like something like big Dan. It was earlier on in the card and he was just showing his indecisiveness. Right. Uh, which was it? Uh, uh, I think, yeah, I think it was that one, but Barnett hit Bode. And, um, and, uh, you know, it, he, he kind of showed some indecisiveness and I talked about that before about, you know, and I feel bad about saying that about Mark Smith. Cause now it makes sense the way, why he does it. Cause the dude was a fucking fighter pilot, like legit, like, Oh yeah. Okay. No wonder that guy's going to always look hyper attentive. Like that's probably just stuck on him. That's a good trait. Okay. Very forgivable. Apologies, Mark Smith. Um, uh, but like, you know, I still feel like big Dan who has a, has more evidence in the track record negative in that department. Right. You look at uh, Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett. Um, that wasn't one that was called, but there was a you know there was the arguable foul there. He lets it go on. Josh Emmett gets fucked up and he's out for a year. You got uh, you know what he loses shoe almost barely getting in there in time for like uh, 
Michael Johnson knocking out Poirier. He was, of course, in the knee debacle with Musasi and uh, Weidman. Uh, Big Dan also, you know, cost me money last time out with Dawkins and uh, Holland. Uh, let's the fight goes on and then retroactively retracts it. I mean, you want to talk about re- referee discretion. I mean, again, I get it. It's frustrating, folks. Believe me, I know. And I thought I was going to be on at this end, and I laid out all those examples, and I kind of co-signed with Big Dan, or not Big Dan, uh, on Big Dan with uh, Joey O. And sure enough, Big Dan comes through and gives me the one cashing bet with that decision. So, you know, in that sense, yeah, I'll admit, you know, hey, I guess you could say I got a good beat on this one. But again, the ironic thing about me getting a good beat is not only is it a losing night, but on the one fucking bet that I get the good beat on or that I benefit from in that sense, right? Um, If you look at my analysis, and I was getting excited, granted it was a bad night, and my analysis was spot on. What did I say? I, I tweeted it. I said it. Literally everywhere, odds checker, junkie article, this podcast. Godzi Omar Godziev, I know he's a Russian wrestler, he's gonna be the favorite, but he's going to throw himself out of position. And Bohio is a uh, you know, uh, judo, uh, you know, a regional and national champion, black belt, as well as Brazilian jiu jitsu black belt under Damian Maya, trained with him for eight years. Um, yeah, you, you don't want to throw yourself out of position there. And also that, like, didn't he rock him with a flying knee? And he sure shit kept going for it. Almost, you know, almost finished the fight with it at one point. And again, I called for that as well. Um, really specific shit. Um, so, so apologies. I got excited. I definitely didn't want to come off as a douche. People like, hey, I, how are we supposed to know that or whatever? And like, I definitely wasn't trying to do that. Um, but it was just one of those things where it was like, you know. Again, it was Kyle Bahia was not impressed with him the first time. I, I hate betting contender series slop. I shit on contender series slop and slop thrown in the coming event. I've been burned by it so many times. Look at Soriano and uh, fucking Maximoff, right? That bullshit decision. Like all the like, oh god, I just was set up. You know, nah, not 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 today. And then thankfully I did. Yes, I did get the beat. But that is ironic, you know. Get. The fight that I do get the good beat on. I was fucking right on the analysis. How much of a beat was it? You know, the guy was dominating the fight. He was going to win. But again, okay. You know, again, people out there want me, you know, not that people are accusing me of this because, again, I feel like I do a pretty damn good job of it for all things considered, all biases considered. Just being fair. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a good beat my way. Um, bad bet. Not even a bad beat. Just a bad bet. Andre Fiala defeated Miguel Baez at TKO punches. Um, I, I knew it. I, 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 even when I typed it out and I said it on here, even on my odds checker article, you know, which I always say again, parlays are crazy, and they don't force me to do parlays there. So if you know, like I even told them like this, sometimes I don't want to do parlay. What if I want to do straight play? I don't want to feel like I'm obligated to do plays or certain types of plays, and they gave me the freedom there. Um, so no one put a gun to my head. I chose to do the parlay, just like no one put a gun in your head to tail me. Um. I was the idiot that chose this, and I even said it when this particular leg in particular was not confident at all, and it was such a bad, I should have known it, it was such a bad thing to parlay, whether it's a two or three leg, I always have at least that one parlay bonus bolster, um, which good news, I have it for uh, both of my legs this week, Um, and of course I didn't have any, so it was a really dangerous, a really dangerous parlay in that sense. Um, and what, uh, you know, so, you know, I, I like Fialho and this is what I was afraid of on why, even though, again, I picked his last fight exactly how it played out, um, Michelle Pereja by decision, I wasn't extremely confident because Fialho had this potential, but I just saw him get rocked there too. And I'm like, this guy gets rocked all the time. And ultimately 
what the difference is, even though he gets rocked a lot, he recovers well, and he's ultimately more durable than Baeza, which was the difference. Um, it was just kind of uh, annoying because it's like um, everyone was talking about Baeza's chin, and I'm like, Fiala gets rocked all the time too. And obviously Baeza, it's a, you know, it's a chin issue, which is sad to say. Um, but to be fair, if we think about it, how many times have we accused someone of a chin issue and been wrong, right? How many times have we gotten overly excited, right? Right. I mean, we got like a couple Brendan Schaub meme KOs, but even that, like, you know, and he he went out with the one on, I believe, by Travis Brown. But like, you know, there was a good stretch there where like, you know, three or three. I used to get excited to be my friends like, oh, it's meme time. Brendan Schaub's fighting again. Sweet. Um, but like, you know, you go back and it's like, you know, he, he definitely was chinning that and that was heavyweight. And he stopped fighting. Uh, but that's like definitely one example you can point to. I think the other most potent example of a chinny guy, because really, it, it, again, Baez is chinny, I was wrong. I'm not, not saying any of that. But uh, the, I guess somewhat in my defense on why I'm not quick in general, whether it's Baez or in general, it's just because I, I feel like we're just so quick to overcorrect the steering wheel. Like, especially on, and we hear it, like how many, the, whether it's the stat flashes or the commentator saying something, because we have this Ultimate Filler content cards where it's all these half contender series cards. Like, there's not a, a sample size to have meaningful stats. So, what you have is out of context stats, which is like, this guy land set a UFC record with landed per minute. Well, it's like, well, he rocked the guy with the first shot, a uh, last minute replacement, and but the dude had a good enough chin to like stay on Bambi legs for three, three minutes, and the guy just racked up punches over and over again, and it creates a disproportionate mathematical. Uh, computation of strikes landed per strikes absorbed right and you get these out of context bullshit stats and then you have commentators because they need something to talk about you know it's not i get it they're handed these sheets with these stats they got to talk about something and then they end up you know hanging on it and then the analysts if the analysts let's say maybe didn't do their homework they're going to maybe hang on these talking points more because they don't know what to talk about you hear all these things kind of just blown out of proportion which is kind of annoying but i would say the next chinniest guy would be what was his name? Cesar Fajeda, right? But even him, it wasn't more than like two in a row, maybe at most. It was never like three in a row for like these guys, even the Brendan Schaubs of the world, right? Um, and even him, he recovered. And what camp did he train out of? MMA Masters, right? MMA Masters was actually the camp that got him to recover from that chin. So even the worst examples of chinny fighters in the UFC, there was like next door neighbor examples right next to Baeza as far as the upside to that, right? Um, so I was clearly wrong here, but I, I I will say maybe I shouldn't bet to prove the other side, but I still would caution anybody just labeling people off as chinny. It paid off here. But, you know, and another thing too, and, and people I respect were saying this too, saying like, ah, oh, he doesn't have defense and this and that. I'm like, oh, the guy's got defense, it just... Uh, he he went up against, you know, big hitters. Matt Brown still puts out young dudes, you know, uh, still competitive. Uh, now, much less, you know, a couple years ago, uh, even still, even though he was an old man still a couple years ago. I'm just saying, right? I mean, if he's still competitive now, it shouldn't be that much surprise if he rocked by his, who ultimately finished Brown. Um, Ponzinibbio. You know, he had to come back from a bunch of hell stuff, and he kind of had to find his legs underneath him in that fight. But uh, Baez is doing really well for the first half of the round. And then again, you got Death Touch Chaos Williams. And it's not like he's getting shut out uh, by his in any of these. And with the defense, the sad part was his defense actually looked improved. 
whether it was the things that you don't associate defense, like feints, lead hand work, uh, variety and change-ups, which people that know more than me or you about that stuff and like the Eric Nixix and other coaches of the world were like tweeting and complimenting Baeza. So it wasn't just me, you know, my bias here saying that. And then he was doing other things, like even like uh, one of the sequences before he he, he, uh, he is rocked, he strikes and then has the wherewithal to um, to uh, to catch the left foot counter on his hand. You know, maybe it still gets to the guard and still kind of hurt him. You couldn't tell, but it was a clean block and a really fast like block. And you're like, oh wow, that was a really fast, impressive block. But he's playing with fire because again. Shell blocking, even when you do do it properly, you can still get rocked in MMA. It's a very dangerous thing. And I don't know if he was rocked there. I don't know if he wants to do that again. And before I can even finish that sentence that I just said to you in my head, the next left hook that comes up by Aza, he beautifully rolls. Like, the dude was doing, actually showing good defense, but like the Chaos Williams, what led to his Chaos Williams knockout loss, which was technically his only other knockout loss for being a chinny guy, but again, I'm I, I'm with y'all after this. Bad bet by me. Um... And here's why it was a bad bet. Regardless, we could argue about defense degrees or chin all day, uh, even though I'm already conceded being wrong as far as the chin argument of it. I'm just defending the guy a bit on his defense. Um, it's because he got greedy. Like when he got with, he, he hit the leg kick and he went back for more, right? And he was in punching range. Boom, gets countered, right? Uh, this one, he hits a clean uppercut. He hits a couple. Or no, it hits a not clean uppercut. I don't know if it was uppercut, but it was a dirty boxing range shot. And then he goes in for another. I don't know if it was an elbow. I can't remember. But it was the uppercut of Fialho. And, man, just made him pay, followed up. And, uh, and yeah, that just was just was not good. And, and the fact that, and another reason why I was wrong and it was a bad bet, um, not because he did that tactically, but he already fucked up even well before that bias did tactically by not going for the takedown. He showed that trend in his Sato fight. And completely got away with it. You know, it's not like Kobe Covington stopped going to the gym after that. Kobe Covington only like got, just got to the gym during that camp for Sato. And the dude's already showing improvement uh, and underrated wrestling. If you put that together with his jujitsu black belt and, and long limbs, you know, you, you thought I thought he was going to do it. was was completely wrong. Um, and I think I even said on last podcast, I deserve to lose this bet, so be careful tailing me. Hopefully you guys didn't. I apologize for costing you if you did. That was a completely completely bad stupid bet to put him on the third leg my bad and good on fialho you know uh, he seems like a nice dude too so i ain't even not even hating on him man happy for him too um myra bueno silva chitara defeated uh wu yanan via unanimous decision um yeah i feel like she got all the rounds i don't yeah it was, it was just a lot of again i told you guys here it was going to be the jackson wink kind of fluff bullshit striking and bueno silva landing quality shots i was going to have the damage argument um, and even though Chitara can get wild a bit, kind of uh, a little more technical striker, and she was striking a lot better and just fighting a lot better. And again, that was something I predicted when a fighter stops killing themselves to move up. Paige knows that for a bet I'm going to make later. Um, so that was a good sign for me, the fact that she was moving up to 135, right? Even against a big big girl like Wu Yanan, um, who I know Wu also fought at 125 before, but she's just stupid strong. Um, but yeah, Bueno Silva, um, I thought was the 30-27 was more correct. Uh, but it didn't matter. That leg cashed, which didn't matter because that bet crashed. But uh, Patty Savs, Patty Savs, Savvy Savs, Savvy Subs, when he can, Patty Savvy, 
Sabatini defeated TJ Laramie to be, via unanimous decision. Uh, like that, the, the, they went 10 8, get through a 10 8 in there. Um, just dominant performance by Sabatini. Again, so again, he was going to go for the finish, but it was going to be hard to tell if he was going to get it or not. You know, same with Wu Yanan. You mean, you got, I don't regret not taking those legs. It might, maybe I, I take decision, you know, Silva, which I probably wouldn't have. I probably would have took a flyer inside the distance on that one, to be honest. So I probably would have lost. So bad example. But you guys get what I'm saying. It was, it was dicey. So, I mean, I wasn't wrong for not taking it. I was just wrong for just parlaying MMA. You're always wrong for parlaying MMA. I mean, hell, I, I win more than I lose uh, being with these conservative ones, but I never feel like I win, to be honest, because it's like, motherfucker, you just didn't get caught speeding, bitch. Like, that's how I feel. I can't really take too much credit because it's just crazy. But people love the parlays, and I do like playing them again. Keyword fun, so I got to be full disclosure when I do. Um, Pat Sabatini came through. Munir Lazez defeated Anglusa. Being an decision, 327, 327. Um, this one also went down. I predicted it in my main card, Picks and Prognations, Prognostications article. Um, being an decision, again, kind of like the Michelle Pajeda Fialo, it's going to be one of those crazy fights, but it ends up going to decision, you know? Um, it's like nail biting the whole time, it almost feels like. Uh, and it was funny. Shouts to the Viva section. Uh, it's one of the few. Uh, MMA podcast slash breakdown podcast. Um, I'll try to uh, have on in the background for my dessert when I'm running around doing stuff on these little like 24 to 36 hour periods between when I place my bets and everything is all in the books uh, to when the fights start. And uh, they're talking and doing this thing, you know, which I've had my own take on this, but they call it the disappointed dad. Henry Uft, Henry Uft. Uh, how like he's always just like as soon as like a fighter kind of and he's a great coach by the way like even Zane and, and Connor admit this and, and he's got a ton of respect from his peers which always tells you a lot like you know the Eric Nixix of the world Tyson Shardy all these guys respect uh, the fellow coaches respect Henry Rift I've always been a big fan of him so I don't mean this illy but he definitely has that disappointed dad where you almost worry you're like I wonder if he's like I almost wonder if he's beating the confidence out of his own fighters worse than the, than the opposing fighters that his fighters are facing right like, um, you know, like, D D I remember just when DC was just, like, you know, uh, beating on Rumble for the second time, like, before Henry Hoff stormed in the back, he was so pissed, but he's just like, come on, don't quit, don't quit, where's the Rumble line now, come on, stand strong, head up, stand strong, and he almost, like, slaps him in the chest, like, he's like... Like, he's the dad from fucking The Sound of Music. Like, having his, like, when he rolls in, like, he blows a whistle in Sanford. And they all light up like they're in the fucking Sound of Music. And they perform a song. <laughs> wow, Dan. <It's clears throat> As I found out, like, uh, shouts to a listener who has uh, tweeted, like, I was in fucking high school in 2011. I don't know your references, Dan. <laughs> I'm sitting here referencing musicals probably from the fucking 60s. The Sound of Music, I'm guessing. But anyways... Um, yeah, Henry Uft, like, you know, and Angelusa, like, he hit, like, this sweet, like, Jacare Souza-style back-shifting right hook counter into the southpaw stance, and, you know, instead of, like, giving him credit for the crafty counter, Henry Uft was just like, don't move backward, go forward! <laughs> he just gets right on him. Come on, stand strong! And, you know, so that's why I was, like, tweeted, like, hey, Dad, look what I... <laughs> Lusa did look better, man. But uh, he did lose to Lizez, who um, shouted out Daniel Kidahan. And people uh, continue to be upset when people, um, you know, guy brought it on himself, man. Like, uh, that was a that was a dumb shout-out to make, dude. Um, I don't even think, like, Darren Taylor would ever made those shout-outs. Not that 
he's beyond, or Hamjat uh, is beyond, uh, you know, there, uh, this Kadyrov uh, things. This is, this is sadly just MMA stuff, man. Um, and I'm not writing it off when I say that. I'm just saying, like, people being upset, like, this is being uncovered, or, like, people are, like, me too, and fighter, like, eh, man, this is a long history of this shit, you know. This is just the latest of it. It ain't right. Uh, you know, I don't feel bad for Lizez. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to say stick to sport? It's like, these are the motherfuckers that keep, you know, interjecting it. It's not even shit. It ain't even us uh, most of the time. But, hey, what are you going to do? Devin Clark defeated Thick Willie. Willie Thickum. Come on, Devin. You got fucked. I don't know what was more disappointing. Um, and thankfully, I, uh, and again, fucking, you know, my heart's with y'all. Thick Willie. I didn't end up pulling the trigger, even if I teased the private bat. I didn't even do that much. Uh, I did pick Thick Willie, and uh, my heart was with you betting. So this ain't a you saw or anything like that when I say these things. I, I was glad I didn't bet him. But you know what the more disappointing thing is? Not that it being wrong on a pick, or even if you bet him. It was, I didn't, I, did you guys hear it? Like, what, did they cut? Were they afraid to blow their speakers? Like, did they cut, um, like, uh, David Clark's mic, you know? Like, I didn't hear any, like, you got fuck out there. Because, like, I think Willie was doing good at certain points. Like, when they were announcing him, like, Devin Clark looked over him and was just, like, he had that, like, Rob Madrigal post uh, Shevchenko knocking out Jessica Eyeface. Like, oh, Jesus. Oh, boy, this is going to be a long one. You know, um... You know, and uh, yeah, I didn't hear a David Clark, but you guys apparently appreciate it. Got a lot of responses. I know Delirious Dan Tom and Passionate Dan Tom can both get crazy, especially when they are put together like at last week's episode. But I got a lot of positive feedback. So, shouts to y'all for listening. I, I forget that people listen to this damn show, you know? I was like, what the fuck? Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Penny Kianzad, who probably should have been that third leg, uh, defeated Lena Lansbergen, Maxel Bozoutsbergen's Toolsout. Um, as as DC was like blown away, like wow, this girl throws elbows. Like yeah, she names the elbow queen. Uh, Dracar Close. Uh, this is did I say dude? Sorry, I meant chick. Uh, girl. I meant it respectfully. Is what I meant. Uh, Alpha Garcia defeated Jesse Ronson via. Oh my goodness! I would, thank goodness I didn't get to this Ronson line while he's plus money because I would have lost out. That that seemed like one of the more sexier lines, but I didn't research it, so I stayed away and and. Maybe this is why it was a good thing. Uh, stay away from me. Don't for what you don't research, buddy. Hey, buddy, Martin, buddy. Defeated Chris Barnett uh, via technical decision. Pedro Munoz. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, this was, uh, you know, everything to say has been said. Just bad matchmaking, boring fight, right person won, but just, uh, you know. And again, this is why replay is good and why they should use it, uh, because I thought it was blatantly illegal. And, um, you know, there was a bit of an arc, and I could kind of see what he was doing um, on a different replay. And replays are tricky, so, you know, right guy won, I guess. Um, Jordan, you love it, it love it, defeated Trey Ogden via split decision. Uh, I didn't watch I didn't watch most of this card, too, by the way. I was, like, running errands, like, most of the time. So, like, yeah, it just was tough like it's like checking out of a target when like mckee pitball in the middle rounds like i just lost track of shit you know i saw round three that was a fun round but anyways yeah uh, sam hughes defeated uh stella uh, nunez um thank goodness i stayed away from her because i was like at first i was like oh wow i should have used her then i'm like oh nope sam hughes doing it and doing it and doing it right um i missed this fight completely alatang ali defeated kevin kroom uh, but that was good man 
seeing these uh, Mongolian, uh, Chinese-adjacent uh, area, however you want to put it, fighters. Um, sorry, I don't have this stuff in front of me. I'm a little... And there's uh, kind of some crossover, which we'll get to, and some good some good foreshadowing, if that tells you what I'm on ahead, uh, from uh, those guys who go over to the Fight Ready camp uh, from that, you know, embracing the Asians over at Fight Ready, the Asian invasion, as Henry Cejudo said it. You know, he wasn't just talking about uh, Zhang Weili and uh, Zombie, you know. Um, all right, that takes care of that recap. 40, that's kind of long. 4301... Um, all right, uh, we'll go uh, Bellator, uh, Hawaii. Again, I wish I was there. Uh, you know, kind of a bummer that I'm not. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm sure, you know, Nolan and Matt are doing a good job. I'm seeing, like, all the homies, though, like Rob DeMello, people from Bellator, the reporters, local ones. Like, what's up? Where you at, brah? And I'm like, fuck, man, I wish I was out there so bad. And just to see family too, man. My, you know, Pablo Doris, the legend herself, man. She ain't getting any younger, man. She's, she's in her nineties now, man. So uh, I'm definitely gonna go out and see her with the girlfriend probably in December, regardless if Bellator goes back out there. Uh, although that scares me because again, remember what happens every time I travel, I get fucked up. So knock on wood. Um, maybe it's good I didn't go in that case. But uh, man, hearts out to everybody out there. Eric Nixick's out there, my guy Eric. Um, oh, I really wish I was out there, man. Some good food. Um, I think I might follow Nolan on Instagram, so I might have to avoid seeing that whatever food he posts, especially because he didn't even hit me up for uh fucking what do you call um recommendations? Like when I was out there with Matt, I think he was out there with his lady, so like he was like going to fucking like Ruth Chris and shit. And uh, Matt don't follow anybody on social media; he barely you know, doesn't really interact. Uh, not. I'm sure you guys can read between the <laughs> anyways, but uh but uh yeah, like he was like going to like places like Ruth Chris and shit. And I'm like like you know, American establishments that you can you know, I'm like, why the fuck are you going to these places? He's a points guy or whatever. So he didn't take any of my recommendations. No one went out to Hawaii like I think like on vacation or something last year. He said he'd hit me up and he hit me up. I was like, all right, bro. I bat a fucking thousand, man. I've been taking people out to Hawaii, band members, friends, girlfriends, family members. A family out there uh, for decades. Uh, everyone has a fucking good time when they take one of my my recommendations. But hey, all right. Uh, shouts to Kenny and John, by the way. Uh, I won them over. I could tell they were like, all right, Dan, whatever you say, W and M Burger. I'm like, trust me, guys. This place is not just all Hawaiian food. They'll they'll, they'll fucking kick your dick in with uh, American food too. They'll do it better than the mainland. Got them some W and M Burger, and they're like, you weren't fucking kidding. I'm like, what did I tell you guys? What did I tell you guys? I, I bet a thousand. So, uh, be, you know, uh, feel free to hit me up, uh, anybody uh, who visits out there. Respect the islands, but uh, you do that, I'll give you some good, I'll give you some good, some good wrecks. So, shouts to everybody out there in all seriousness, though. Um, always, always a good time covering uh, Bellator out there. Um, yeah, I was going to say not too much great of a card for betting, because I, I joked about that with uh, the Liz Carmouche bet I posted, in case you guys aren't listening to this in time. Um, but, you know, in my defense, I did show my work there and you could say I'm making up for, uh, not betting Pitbull last week, but, or you could just say how I kind of think of it is that no, if you're picking a dog that you have evidence for, um, and it's, you know, some uh, proven talent, um, and it's the veteran fighter, because again, 2020, uh, late 2021, um, 2021, late 2021, early 2022, more often than not, um, we've been having a lot of vet lessons doled out and more often than not, 
your boy's been on the right side of those, right? Um, so it really hurt to not bet one. So let's, I'm just more just not making up. It's more doing what I should have been doing in the first place and have done before is more, I think of it. Not crazy exposure. One unit on Liz Carmouche straight up at one house. I should have bet it. It was like plus 135 and plus 140. I thought it opened and got inflated higher, but it didn't. It opened and got inflated lower. And then by the, and I didn't want to post like in the middle of the night. So I'm like, well, let's give it one night swing. I mean, if it already moved by now, it's not going to move anymore, right? Nope. Drops down like a whole 15 cents back down to almost the opener plus 120, plus 125 is what I got it for. Um, in one house, I did lay a little bit on decision, half a unit, and I kind of split the difference there on the money line play because you're getting plus 225 on decision where I think it goes um, because Velasquez looks tough to finish. Although, Liz Carmouche could get a submission because that's part of the reason why I picked her. She's actually, like, legitimately improved her game. I know she had some submission losses up at Bantamweight, but not only has she, like, earned her 10th planet black belt or whatever, but, like, I mean, she had that when she fought Shevchenko, but she couldn't show up much, obviously, because Shevchenko will um, kind of just out-wrestle everybody, right, if you're not, like, Amanda Nunes. Um, up at 135. But um, she's been, like, grappling a lot uh, she always had uh, the grappling spoiler edge, right? She just couldn't do it against Shevchenko. So she's always had that. But she really is going by this theory, and you grapplers know what I'm talking about. Um, she really is getting behind the knees and the elbows and really understanding that. She's really dogging out positions, and I love it. Um, and she's also coupling that with lockdowns. Lockdowns from strange positions, like locking down the leg when she has the back, not just like your typical lockdown half, like you're on the bottom and it's like a almost like a deep half desperation move, how we've traditionally seen um, 10th planet lockdown stereotype or stereotypically used. Um, if you really actually go back and watch Liz, Liz's Bellator fights, which I, I know I, I had no reason to watch either. I just I, I had to do it now, though, because it was my job. So I never watched any of them live, and I was like, wow, she actually got fucking better. Um, old dog can learn trick, new tricks, which makes sense because even though you know she, 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 she's uh, not going to be the more athletic fighter here, she's still athletic nonetheless, and strength is different than athleticism, but her strength compensates, arguably bleeds over, and bolsters that athletic uh, arbitrary stats in our head that we're doing right now, if you will, right? Um and yeah, and and yeah, so she she uh yeah she gets after it, um, and then you know, power, you know I don't know about knocking out the uh, the Japanese lady uh, Kana Watanabe, um, but you know still impressive nonetheless. I mean it wasn't like the greatest technique or anything, but she still has that power, um, and uh, and yeah, just just that that, that veteran savvy and Juliana Velasquez should be favored here, folks, and like her checking jabs and hooks. Um, could be enough to edge out and edge out rounds and shut down Carmouche, right? In a more sloppier, um, just as boring but not as convincing version of what Shevchenko did. But she's not Shevchenko. Um, she doesn't have the tools. She doesn't have the experience. A lot of that's fluff. Um, she backs up with her head straight up. And when she does get taken down, she has no answer for that said lockdown position because uh, we saw... Elima Leigh McFarlane get her in the lockdown from top half, right? And she held her down for the rest of the round. And, you know, Lima just ground and pounded her, but Lima, they, you know, doesn't have the most power in the world. It's not really her thing. She, you know, she won the round, but couldn't, like, you know, get anything too meaningful off it outside of that. But, like, Carmouche could do that all day and, and, and even, like, emphasize it and punctuate it a lot more. Maybe even squeeze out a finish or win a controversial decision, which is what I'm ultimately picking. Um, it's just hard to fight a pick, uh, pick a fighter that fights so close, right? I talk about this all the time. 
you know, when you fight close, you leave the door open for big moments to steal it from you, which you know I fucking hate. But and and I've been on the wrong end of that a lot with Carmouche because she's traditionally come on late in rounds, got a late round takedown, done some things to kind of sway the judges. Um, and she's gotten better since then, right? So like it leaves the door open for that, and it also leaves the door open for the busiest fighter, busier fighter. And Carmouche is far from a busier fighter. They're both counter fighters, which again, like the Shevchenko, could make just a fucking staring contest. But even with all those things considered, Carmouche is still the busier fighter than the two. She also has the more variety, so therefore the more visually pleasing and the more chances of finding success. Um. So yeah, man, it just it made too much sense. I I wish. You know, I was thinking it was going to be like plus 240 or something for Carmouche. That's what I was hoping. And I was excited to go to go to go bet and go look it up after I did my analysis because I didn't even look at the line. I try not to until I get my analysis in. And I was like, oh, only minus 140. Let's wait sleep on it. And it got worth like, fuck it. I don't know if I'm going to like any other dogs this week, which I do, but I don't because they already got bet up as they do for UFC. Because all the fucking savages out there got to beat the lines. They fucking beat the hell out of the lines. And I don't talk about beating on a winning thing, even though they did do that too. Congrats to you if you do. I'm not hating. I'm just talking about you just beat the shit out of the lines where it was just like, man, it's like, it's barely Tuesday and you guys look like you guys fucking gang banged and jizzed all over these fucking betting lines. Like, uh, I guess I'll just take sloppy fucking 30 seconds. Sorry for that visual, folks. <laughs> that was crude. Sorry. <laughs> But yeah, like that's just like you know, I'm just like like picking like careful. I've I've got a glove on, but I'm still like carefully picking up the number that I want to bet. Like, yeah, I guess I'll take this. Eek. Anyone got a black light? <laughs> Where's this pen? But like, yeah, that is uh, uh that is. Uh, I hope the Valium levels are okay. I took um automatic level control and feedback so I don't hear what I'm doing and uh, you know hopefully no I mean, it should sound fine hopefully um yeah me to song uh let me know I think I've been recording with like the gain all the way up to I've been doing stupid stuff because I'm stupid like that um but yeah uh that that was the line for for, for that one anyway so I'm gonna take a shot at that um I, I don't I don't know what this wild card thing means the Mikhailov and uh, Barzola fight I don't have a hot take on that, so I don't. I'm not even gonna try to mislead you guys. Not that I'm, even, I don't want to lead you guys in the wrong direction. I, w I would not try to mislead you guys. You guys know that. Um, I will go. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Arlene Blake Cyborg. I, you know, I haven't gone through these yet. I actually called it Audible because it's like, I was just like, you sure you want the normal treatments for Bellator and UFC? I was like, yep, yep. I'm like, okay, it's all ladies' fights on the top. And Bellator, because they're so damn good about, um, I love people at Bellator, but goddamn, you know, Jack Slack and those who criticize us are right. They're just terrible at marketing their, their own stuff. And I totally spaced that, like, Kyoji and Patchy Mix and Juan Archuleta and Rafion's dots are on this card. And then I totally spaced that those are part of the Bellator Grand Prix. And one of them is an interim title fight, because, oh, yeah, Sergio Pettis got, like, injured or whatever, right? So I'm like, it just was all coming back to me. It's all coming back. But Dunbar's number and this brutal schedule. And Bellator has been really stepping up their schedule because their roster's gotten bigger. So it's like, fuck, man. It's, it's getting so hard to cover all this shit. Like, this weeding down that I do, folks, and picking and choosing my spots has become the norm. Like, I used to be such a completist. I am a completist, so I, I still do beat myself up for this when I don't, like, have every fight research. But, like, you can't possibly do that. You really got to pick and choose your spots. 
Um, and if that means missing out on some potential gold, then that's fine. I'll miss up on potential gold if it's unproven gold, you know? Yeah, maybe I would, maybe there was enough evidence like a, a Kyle Bohio or Omar Gadziev where you can make a, a decent play and read and still cash. But you know what? If I'm going to miss any of those, I'll miss those. And if I'm going to get anything wrong, at least I'll get wrong betting on more proven products, if that makes sense as far as looking at comparing worst-case scenarios on a would-you-rather. Um so anyways, after looking at that, I said, you know what, n n this is going to do shit, no, no offense to Blanco or, or Cyborg, you know, um, why don't I just do a main card picks and prognostications article for Bellator, that way I get everything covered, it's an easier lift for me, it's an easier lift for you guys behind the scenes, because our editors and video people work hard enough, shouts to them over at Chunky, and, um, and yeah, um, and, and, and again, thankfully, uh, Boss is super understanding and made sense to him. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. That'll come out Saturday along with my main card picks and prognostications article. But I'm pretty much leaning toward the favorites, obviously, um, over Cyborg, um, who I did predict would get her uh, first submission win last time for what that's worth. I know picking her to win wasn't a big deal, but I'll just, I will just say, you know, she never got a submission from career. She did that. Whatever. Um, Stotts, um, minus 225. Uh, Juan Archuleta, plus 185. Um Parlay piece material, I think, possibly for Stotts, but I, I got to look into it a little more. Big fan of Stotts. Um, let's see, uh, national champ or national qualifier two-time, I believe. Uh, he was a two-time NCAA Division II national champion. He was mentored by Kamara Usman in college. Um, but, yeah, uh, Southpaw sensibilities. Uh, I think he'll be able to pick off when the fluff, and when Archuleta does his fluff switch stances. Um Archuleta looks so weird, but like he's a Spaniard suit. He's like all serious. It's like he's like a kid playing dress up. Really gets into it. Um. <laughs> oh, anyways, uh, we got a uh, minus two fifty-five or a Gucci Patchy Mix plus two five. This is a tough one. Obviously, uh, leading toward the Gooch, but Patchy Mix feels like he could be upset material here. You know, Gooch getting older. You got the big size difference, even though Gucci is like knocked out and out grappled um long grapple savvy dudes before uh but uh also patchy mix you know training at extreme couture getting those times in there so i don't know man uh you know there's a little bit of that bias of course uh but um no i'm probably gonna end up on gooch we'll see if i do end up on gooch uh it'll be on that thing and uh you got a lima mcfarland rounding out the main card i'm not gonna go through the whole card uh justin quiche plus 270 um. Yeah, uh, obviously leaning toward Alima Lay. Maybe I don't know if the line should be that much. You know, she did talk about thinking about retirement. I believe I saw in a headline, but I didn't read too much into that. I don't know how much you can read into that. So I did that too much with Chukagian, and she came and just you know had like some of her better performances right after that. So it's just like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, McFarland looks in good shape, and I think Justin Keish's wildness will probably play into McFarland's wheelhouse and get her the win there. Um, and so I'm right now I'm leaning toward the favorites. And if I pick all the favorites, uh, you can parlay them for like all for like a neighborhood of plus 180, uh, four leg there. I may do that for a unit. Um, but I think because of the time difference, I think that not all my plays for the UFC Vegas card, but I think the UFC Vegas card might either be done or close to being done, but I know what will be, be done. I'm pretty sure the prelims will be done by the time the Bellator main card starts in Hawaii for 279. So my two leg 
parlay is on the prelims. And if that hits, um, I'm definitely going to hit uh, uh, lay some on uh, maybe like a unit or something even on uh, just a four-leg chalk parlay um, for those top four, you know, or maybe just a half unit actually for fun. Um, to be honest, and and again, I want to at least make sure I'm I'm looking good, you know. Hopefully, Carmouche cashes and that parlay cashes, and then it's just the last two plays and the little bonuses that I have uh, set aside that I'll give you guys here in a bit. Um, but that's kind of what I'm feeling. Again, nothing set in stone yet. Just just telling you what I'm looking at. I'm gonna <clears throat> dot the I's and cross those T's on my main card articles tomorrow night. So that's when my uh, analysis for Bellator will be technically finished. Just telling you where I'm leaning and looking and. The caveats to any potential plays should those potential planets align. All right. UFC time. Where are we at? One hour UFC time. One hour UFC on oh, UFC Fight Night 205, UFC Vegas 52, UFC Fight Night, Lamosh versus Andrade. Um, so... This is a, you know, this was a fight. I'm kind of surprised. Uh, it opened, I think, a little lower, right? No, around 200. It hasn't moved too much, though. It hasn't moved too much. I didn't expect it to. Um, Jessica Andrade should be favorite. Didn't expect her not to. However, I did expect a better line on Amanda Lemosh. I know she didn't have the toughest competition, but, you know, you can look at it like, as you do the basic sure dog breakdown or topology breakdown, you go, well, Andrade's only just a real quality fighter for the most part. Uh, it came here, old champion contender, this weight class, lower weight class, easily. You could piece together those cobble those theories. You're not, you're not wrong. Um, but uh, I think more specifically, more meaningfully, um, to get something we can put in context, do some deductive. Uh, deductive deducing without being reductive you know reducing too much if that makes sense um i would categorize it or characterize it as jessica andrage has had her toughest fights and the common threads in her losses and just toughest fights in general to fighters who could competently counter if you look look at it um renault really fell off a cliff uh not the best fighter and that is a weird one, but Andrade was in that point where she was only like a blue belt at the time and purple belt. She came she came into the UFC actually as a blue belt. Um, suffered some submission losses, and Renault does counter is the theme of her game, even though she's not the greatest fighter. That is her spirit. So technically, she still does fit that bill. I know that is kind of the one weirder outlier. Obviously, Pennington is, is a counter fighter. Um, but Andrade goes and focuses on her ground game, like actually does grappling competitions, uh, legit earns a black belt, and... Um, now can get back to her slamming game and gets her title that way, right? Um, but again, counterfighters, uh, which is Lemosh. But Lemosh, um, which is problematic for any female fighter, uh, any weight class, and I would say problematic trait for any fighter under 155, no matter male or female, no matter your division, is cardio. You know, if chin's a necessity to heavyweight, cardio is a fucking necessity in the lower weight classes, especially these female divisions. And that is the one glaring thing with Lemo. She slows. You know, she's a former 135er herself. Um, she's bigger in some ways as far as taller and lengthwise, as far as dimensions go, than Andrade. So she's not a small fighter by any stretch, you know? Um, so yeah, 
and she's never fought five rounds, even those jungle fights. As often, I don't know what that is with their title fights. Someone wants to enlighten me. But I know their title fights are always listed as only three rounds. And so even the one she went for decision and then avenged with the third round KO, that was her only third round finish. In fact, that was her only finish um, outside of the first round. And that was like what? A, two, a girl that was like 2-0 and o headed into their first meeting. I mean... She, you know, she can crush for sure on the regionals. Um, and hasn't fought the best competition in the UFC. But again, she legit could f- fuck up Andrade um, with a check hook or elbow, similar to uh, Zhang Weili, because she could do it from both stances and has the power and is really potent in the first round. So if you're picking Andrade or you're playing Andrade, you have to be willing to accept that, that that's a possibility. So for that, I was hoping to get a better line. She's the newer under contender. She's, you know, air quotes, undefeated at this weight class. But unfortunately, she's coming off of a fight that's a split decision that shouldn't have been a split decision that was, again, against a media darling that got an... So, you know, from broadcast media to to my side of the fence media, um, got it into all, all the gen pop heads... And it reflects on MMA decisions and so forth. Uh, that oh, that was a close, close, fu- close fight or closer fight than it really was. It wasn't. Like, <laughs> you want to give one of the rounds? Uh, which one's top of my head? I believe it was two or whatever. Um, to what do you call it? A hill? That's fine, but like, two clear rounds for Lemos there. It's just you got like uh, Michael Bisbing talking about. How, I think it's like the third round, how like, uh, how good Angela Hill's doing and like Amanda Lemos lands like four unanswered strikes, debasing leg kicks, and then like hits her with a spinning back kick while like Bisping's like going on about um, Angela Hill. And um, like the shot, the big air quote, big right hand, like clearly hits her in the shoulder and like, oh, she's rocked. And I'm like, no, no, she wouldn't get rocked. And then the spinning thing that knocked her down, it was the classic, you know, someone's off balance and, and it, it misses, like hits a shoulder, right? I, I love those. How many times have I lost rounds and fighters lost their checks and me and the rest of you lost bets because of just those, you know, fighters on one leg, they get punched in the shoulder. Like, oh, it's a knockdown. Um, yeah, that was just fucking so annoying. Oh, it was so hard. And I did, and I did the judges going to judge article, like where I break it down. You can go look that up. And like, and again, I used similar math again, just to show it's not being arbitrary. And I was on the right side of this one as I should have been. Um, but I used the same math I did for when I was on the wrong side, at least result wise with Torres and Dern, which is okay. How rocked is she? Because anytime like Angela Hill on the points of success that either commentary or people making points for Angela Hill, not fine. I actually specifically make it a point to go in my judges going to judge article and highlight those for Hill whilst telling you how many, uh, shots Lemos would go on and how many exchanges and both consecutive shots and consecutive exchanges she would go on to win after she was quote-unquote rocked or quote-unquote uh, lost an exchange or got a, a good shot landed on her. Um, you know, and that to me is much more uh, justifiable math and the subjective, that looks hard, that doesn't look hard, that's down hard, that doesn't down hard. She swing big, she swing hard. We'll get to fucking Macy Barber's butt in a second for that. But yeah, you guys know how much I love that bullshit. 
And uh, it almost costed me there. And, like, even that fight, you know, again, where I'm on the right side and I do cash, right, I got to hear, oh, you got lucky, you got a good beat. Like, no, this was not me getting a good beat. In fact, you could say I got a bad beat because I have to fucking justify this win. And now when I want to go pick and play on Drash here, spoiler alert, I don't even get as good of a line because stock low on Lemos, stock low. This needs this, you know. This is the classic one where you have like the the flashy first round finisher, uh, the undefeated fighter in the division uh, versus the veteran who already had their chance. This should be the time where like you're getting even if Andrade is still a favorite, you should still be getting like a discounted line, you know. Because and and then we're you know savvy people uh, like myself or listeners of the show will come in. And not do the stupid blind MMA betting trend of we gotta find people who are oh stick it to break down, um, you know, uh, and then we clean up that way. Do we win all those every time? Of course not, but more often than not we do. And God damn it, it is the more justifiable play. Um, and 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 so yeah, again, so again, you could say it's a good beat, but no, it's still uh, still being affected by even the fights that I win. So those are my, you know, you know, my, my air quote good beats there. Uh, so, you know, uh, so anyways, it just, I'm taking on Drash here. I'm taking inside the distance. Dan, didn't you learn your lesson from last week? No, last week, I'll tell you why I lost last week. Uh, because, and another reason why a, a bad bet and, and, you know, um, and you could say it this week too. Although I will say, you know, last week it was like, you know, fours were looking like sevens because it was a room full of ones, if that makes sense. This is like a room full of 2.5s to threes <laughs> that are making the the fours look like, you know, 6.5s because I'm trying to be a little sober and bring it down. I don't know if that makes sense, but the point is I think it's a little bit better of a pull. And the reason why it was a bad bet and why I deserve to lose that Luke bet um, was because I've been the guy that have been reminding everybody that rematches don't go the same way. You know, um, whether I was right, didn't bet it like Pitbull, um, whether I was wrong, but didn't play it and told you all to, you know, be careful at, at, at the current asking price for like Jan Sterling. Like, regardless of the result, I had the right analysis and message there. And I knew as soon as I played Luka inside the distance, I'm spiting my own. I'm spiting my own message. I'm spiting my own logic. I'm spiting ZMMA gods. Right. Like. Uh, you're betting for a fight to end the same way, the second fight to end the same way in the first one, after you just went and fucking preached, after you just were proven right for like the third or fourth time within two weeks, and it hurt the most because it was Pitbull's fight. You didn't bet it. So you were right, and you didn't even get to reap the fucking rewards, dummy. Um, so of course I deserve to lose that. This isn't a rematch. This isn't that. And this, I would say, if any trend, it's that trend where, oh, you get burned, so you get scared off the bet next time, and then you lose money. You're like, I shouldn't have been scared off. I should have stuck to my system. I should have stuck to my read. I should have stuck to my gut feeling, or whatever. That's the angle I'm playing here. This is a classic spot because I ate shit so hard. I'm going to be passing on things, you know, um, that are, and at the end of the day, we can argue that if it's a room full of ones or a room full of 2.5s, sure, that's up for argument. But at the end of the day, the same logic applies. Win or lose, if we are going to play and we are going to we are going to take the risk and do the stupid thing on betting MMA and the stupid thing on betting these type of MMA cards, right? Which again, these are the perfect weeks to exercise discipline. I say it all the time. That's why I even said last week, which as stupid as it was, and I called it going in and I warned you for tailing me. I said the shotgun spread's going to be small for a reason, and I try to keep my shotgun spread small for a reason. Um, so even on a terrible week, you know, I only lost what a union. You know, it wasn't too bad. Um, 
but yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna get scared off. I'm still gonna pick the more dependable sample size. Lemos hasn't been scheduled for five. We haven't seen her in five. Andrade is a tank. There is the first round, uh, maybe even the first five to seven minutes, where we might have to worry and sweat a little bit. But Andrade is really difficult to to put away, even if you go back and look at that Zhang Wei leaf fight. Like Zhang had to hit her with a bunch of stuff. Um, and whereas I think she can get Lemos down, and Lemos does not have a good of a ground game or a good of scrambling um, as Zhang Wei Li. So I'm going to take Andrade here inside the distance. I think she gets her out of there somewhere in the middle rounds. And also, Lemos just backs up to the cage way too much. She backs up, you know, she's got crafty footwork and she draws people into counters, but she doesn't angle off. And that was a thing, another thing too, it was, it was footwork, whether it was Yen Jacek, and again, top-level fighter, really, and even her, she had, like, worse for wear, you know. She, she really was accruing damage. Um, but, like, she, she had footwork where she would circle back out, right? Shevchenko, obviously, circles, takes the center. Like, these are people with good footwork as well. Um, even Rose, who, like, arguably lost to her the second time. Like, she's arguably, like, Andrade is arguably 2-0 to Rose. Um, so she could really come here and make a statement. You know, I don't think she's showing up for a check. Um and uh, get another shot at Rose because I think Rose is probably gonna be a Sparza, right? So uh, I don't know, man. It just it seems like it seems right. She's still only thirty, while Lemos is thirty-four. If you really want to play that game as well, maybe that's what's keeping the gamblers because they're so fucking ageist. Um, sorry, you kids. You, you kids are. You hate the old people. What can I say? And I'm old, so of course I'm gonna be a little biased toward the older people. Um, she, she is an aging martial fattest. Um, but yeah, uh, Andrade inside the distance took it at plus one thirty five for one unit. Um, Claudio Puelles minus one ten. Clay Guida minus one ten. I wish that was the price in my houses. I missed Guida by dog money. I don't pe blame people for betting him. This is tough, you know. Uh, I had to go back and watch so many. Like next three fights, we got Barber next, so we'll talk about that and Maverick. And then she's facing De La Rosa, where I already talked about last week, getting effed out of the fucking Myra Buena Silva. Then we got Clay Guida. Remember I was talking about Benoit Saint-Denis and and Hanato Moicano and fights that should have been stopped where I was on Inside the Distance? Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, I was on Leonardo Santos uh, versus Clay Guida. So that was fun watching that back. Oh, boy. Um, and then uh, this wasn't really like a bad beat like those, but this was just like one of those, like, of course, dude's going to show up and have the worst... Uh, fight of his career, which was a hoggle, Chris Gritzmacher versus Claudio Puelles, which was more, admittedly, you know, more of a fate on Puelles, uh, Puelles uh, than it was a uh, faith in uh, a guy who, who, you know, looks like he's going to lead you through the labyrinth. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, like, even it just even going back to watch them, like, you know, when, you know you're over it, you got to put it behind you, you're just like, holy shit, no, man, like, that was, wow, that was bad. He really did look bad. It wasn't my betting bias. Like, the, the guy really looked bad. Um, and then Poyas didn't really even look that that much improved. Like even DC is like saying like these are awful wrestling shots. Like even DC is saying like he shouldn't be rewarded for these. Like you could tell the attitude like because it was just like stupid things he was getting rewarded for. And while um, Gritzmacher was like making just the right wrong moves after getting like he had so many points where he could have turned that fight around in round two, and then even three just was like being lackadaisical and gave up the stupid knee bar. It was just it was just the stupidest fight in the world. And Poya seems like a really nice kid, man, in interviews. So I feel bad. I feel like I'm picking on him. And he is, you know, maybe not. I'd say I'd give it to Barzola, to be honest, as far as, like, best Peruvian fighters. Um, you want to talk maybe a fighter is like, 
certain percent Peruvian, then, you know, then we'll go like Ricardo, Rick Lamas, you know, or something like that. But like, um, you know, he's not, he's anyways, he, he, no matter what, how you want to categorize what, rep, what, what constitutes as Peruvian representation, he is not the best of them. But of course I got love for my Peruvian brothers and sisters. Shout out to gorgeous George and goes, I got love for Peruvian uh, food. Not to do that. Like racist. I like the food. So I can't be racist. Uh, but I just, I genuinely like Peruvian food. Um, so it, it, nothing against that man, nothing against this kid. Um, all love to him for, for doing this, but you know, he's not. Umberto Bandanai bad, but he wasn't too far off that from one of the worst featherweights. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 improved his stock. He's up at lightweight now, um, which you know makes it probably harder to rank because it's even deeper pool technically. Um, but yeah, man, I, I I'm still not a believer. He could be getting better. He's at the age to be getting better. But he had like year gaps, and he didn't make that big of improvements for like someone you would consider a prospect, which he certainly is not. Um, and then you know he was at Sanford MMA, but like. Again, how much is it going to get better? Because there's like hundreds and hundreds of people that's like arguably overcrowded right now in the mats of Sanford MMA. So like how much of that individualized attention is he getting, right? How much of the wall or the cage is he getting? Because that's even more prime space. And that's where you're going to need to be training because you're training for a small cage fight against Clay Guida. And this Guida, man, is is is, is, is ageless. You know, you really got to put him away, put him away. Um, and he can go into submissions. But usually it's susceptible in like third round submission or first round submissions, not third round submissions. Qualio Puelas is a slow starter, and he's nowhere near the accolades of the. Whether it's um, jujitsu black belt, which he doesn't have, and is allegedly very purple belt, or you know just the accolades and experience, which he also just doesn't have, doesn't have, doesn't have. I mean, he doesn't have the same things that those guys who submitted Clay Guida even had. Um. So could he? Yeah, possibly, man. I'm really going to be in the hold of this kid. But, like, um, you know, I just, I don't know, man. He's like, you just, he, you go to his fights, like Felipe Silva, just all these fights. Like, oh, God, like, I didn't even go back to watch the Marcus Mariano or whatever. That was just, that guy didn't even belong in the UFC. So it wouldn't, it just tells me nothing. Um, but, yeah, like, the guy just, I don't, he's not even contender series. And I don't, I, I. Maybe there's some contender series fighters who maybe have more of a, a stake as far as skill-wise and ceiling to be there than he does. So this is definitely a fade on him. And stylistically, it's going to be tough, man. This is submission stymieing guy, Clay Guida. Again, unless you, you catch him with something freakish in the first round, um, you got to knock him out. I don't think he's going to knock him out. Now, Clay Guida did get hurt by a body kick that sparked off the initial thing by San Leo Santos, who's an orthodox fighter, but he switched to southpaw. And if there is one thing that Claudio Puelas does is he spams that body kick. He just spams the body kick in the left cross. He got a little more trickier with the timing where he does the counterbalancing thing where you immediately shoot the left cross after while, whilst you're rechambering your kick off the same side. But, like, outside of that, like, that's the most craftiest thing he does. He, he just... There's just no real process to his fucking game. It'll be a fucking travesty. And I say that, so now it's going to happen, of course, if this guy fucking stops Guida after I bet Santos to stop Guida. And I bet you Claudio Puelas will do something much less skillful and much less deserving of a stoppage, but would get it, right? This this will be the perfect spot. Oh, my God, I'm speaking into his existence. Shut the fuck up, Dan. Because you bet Clay Guida and you laid the chalk on him. Oh, I, I couldn't get him at the minus 110 or the plus money. That's what you should look for him for. But... Again, this is just betting on the more experienced guy, the vet lesson, the the uh, it sounds great in you know interviews. Just consistently does his uh, does his thing for the most part. Uh, style that ages well, plus a more than justified fate on on, on Poyas. 
Um, yeah, 1.2 units to win one unit uh, straight on Clay Guida. I uh, don't know how he's going to get it done. So that's why I just took the money line. Uh, Macy Barber minus 180, Montana De La Rosa plus 155. This is tough, man. Um, I'm going to pick Barber by decision, but I'm not going to play it, even though you can get a nice plus number, because I'm rooting for De La Rosa, man. And she is, you know, the better wrestler and better jiu-jitsu fighter. But it's just the athleticism. Is 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 Macy Barber going to be the athletic cheater that she is, right? And she's training at Team Alpha Male. So even if Barber or De La Rosa is able to get her down, will she be able to hold her down? If she's able to hold her down, will she be able to submit her? Uh, I'm not sure she'll be able to hold her down. And if she can't hold her down, I'm not sure she'll be able to submit her. I, I want her to with every fiber of my soul. Uh, <laughs> I would love Montana De La Rosa to win this. Um, but... Um, I'm not sure she will, and I'm not sure uh, Barbara will get her out of there because even though De La Rosa can get pieced up and doesn't show damage well, she's also hard to get out of there, right? So you get two girls who are hard to get out of there. I'm just going to go with the athletic cheater to do athletic cheating things and woo the judges when, like, she clearly fucking lost rounds one and two against Miranda Maverick, of course, who was on the wrong side of that. <laughs> It's it's a really bad beat flashback coming off a bad week for your boy. I can't help but I'm not trying to live in negative town here, folks, and play fucking violins. But again, it's just I'm making this shit up. Like, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't, can't go buy a pack of cigarettes without running into a fucking uh, bad beat. Uh, but uh, again, there's also bad bets in here which I have to uh, own up for too, and I feel like I, 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 I do. Uh, I didn't bet on this one. Um, I didn't want to bet on Barber because out of principle. But I even am trying to like look past that and go, Dan, Dan, put your bias away. Put your bias away. There could be some good money here. And I rewatched their last couple fights, and I still wasn't feeling strong enough. Um, so I'm going to pick Barber as kind of a sadness hedge. Um, and she probably is the deserved favorite, albeit slightly. But, yeah, my heart is absolutely with De La Rosa. Uh, anybody betting De La Rosa. Uh, Charles Jordan, minus 110. Lando Venata, minus 110. I can never spell. Venata Vittoria, I always like want to put two T's where there's one T and one N and so forth. Uh, and the same with the Vittorias with the T's and the R's. I always mix up and get it wrong. Um, I'm going to go with Charles Jordan here. Um, Venata is a big moment guy, so he could certainly win the fight off of that. But Jordan is hard to sub. I feel like Venata's going to have to do that Marcus Mariano game plan. But again... Venato's a hard guy to trust to be consistent or stay consistent with a game plan, not get drawn into fights with a guy who is going to draw you into a fight or has the skill to like Jordan, which Marcos Mariano doesn't. Just like the sample size that I discounted in two fights prior with Marcos Mariano, if that's even his name, who knows. Goes to show you, I don't even... It, it, worthless fucking sample size in the first place, right? So what's that really going to tell you? That being said, to its credit, it does provide a path to victory. Venata is a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, he did wrestle a bit in New Jersey before dropping out and, uh, you know, did good on the high school level, I believe. Um, he's got crazy scrambles, but, uh, Jordan is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I know he recently got subbed, but that was the only time he's been, I believe, stopped, which was by, uh, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Julian Arosa. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, 145. They both have fought at 155 before. And Jordan just throws more offense out there, uh, more consistent in that regard, more aggressive. And um, counters, counters. He fights from southpaw, will switch stance and primarily fight from southpaw. And anybody who's fought from southpaw uh, or switch stance, whether it's like Timor, Ferguson, or whatever, has beaten Venata. So, um, and again, he, Venata will kind of, you know, 
walk straight in, shift square, and run right into shots. We see it in Ferguson, saw it in his last fight. Um, and Jordan can crack, man. I mean, he lost that split to Feely, but he was like knocking him down hard with counters, right? Uh, so um, I'm going to go with Charles Jordan here. It's probably going to be a crazy fight that goes to decision. Kind of like the theme with the uh, Pajeda Fialo opening the card uh, a few months back. And then uh, my other right call that was similar to that uh, last week, which opened the card. Um, Lazez Lusa again I just another one of these crazy action fights that's in the spot because it's a crazy action fight and because it's a competitive fight and because of that it blurs you where's it going to go who's going to get the finish who's going to win it's probably going to go to decision and maybe I should start betting that for these angle fights but um, I don't even think it's going to be that much on this one because I feel like this one they suspect will go to a decision because overs are juiced yep fight goes to decision plus, minus 165 Open minus 155. I wouldn't even have played it at that. So, yeah, not even sexy numbers. So, yeah, it's staying away, motherfucker. Just one of those days. Uh, Alexander Romanov! Romanov! Uh, Michael Chiavello. Uh, minus 1375 or some shit. Minus 2500 at some houses. Jesus Christ. Uh, Sherman plus 800. Yeah, he's going to finish him probably first round sub. I wonder if you can get that combo prop for, like, even like even money. Who knows? Because I was always seeing Tyson Pedro. If they have like him inside the distance at fucking minus two fifty after his big layoff, I can only imagine what they're putting inside the distance for Romanov. Um, but those would be your two cheat uh, if you want to parlay slash round robin uh, your props. And uh, I know they're not sexy, but in that scenario where you're having that multiply amplifier plus the plus money amplifier of parlaying, you're parlaying props, right? You really at least should. Putting your house does it, which really fucking juice up your odds for you. Even if you've got like, you know, three plus number odds, that is, you know, I'm saying props. Um, if you want to drop in one of these chalky ones in the middle of the pile and see what that does for you, see if it adds anything. Uh, it, you know, it, it, it kind of cheats and chalks up a, a chance for, for a round robin, which I cannot get. I kind of have to hit everything, which so this could still apply for me. But Romanoff not listing anywhere. That's what I think is going to happen. Surprise, surprise. Would have been cool to see Sumaderji face Faceman LK cop. Uh, Jordan Wright, plus 155. Mark andre Berryu, minus 180. Wish I got Berryu at plus money. Um, I can't do the Clay Guida now, like a minus 120. It completely flipped. But again, that would usually, you know, sully me and you know, scare me off and, you know, make me my pride and ego. I'm like, I don't, wanna, I don't want fucking, you know, again, you know, I'm back with my uh, inappropriate analogy after the line's been fucking ran through a, a chain on a white couch, uh, you know, or something like that. Like, you're, you're picking the stickies off. Or you're like, do I really want to play this now? Um no, you know, <laughs> I can look past that. Jesus Christ. Now, now the rubber's really hitting the road here with this analogy. Uh, but, you know, I, it's like, you know what? No, this is this is one of the more clear reads. Um, I'm actually going to parlay bury you. Uh, I'm not going to lay that kind of chalk on him, but I am going to um, parlay him, which is, you know, just as blasphemous, but more justifiable because this parlay is going to be essentially fading the two one-round fighters on the card. Literal one-round fighters. Uh, hard to get one, much less two on the same card. Fucking why not fade them? So those of you who are smart probably already know where I'm headed with this. Um, but Barrio, um, he's fighting on short notice, but he wants to get the bad taste out of his mouth. I know he's coming off of a knockout loss. Um, he hasn't had like, you know, th you know, over three or f uh, five months to recover, which can be scary. But again, at least it was a flash knockout. It wasn't a war. Um, and he'd never been knocked out before. And that's scary. And that's like his one thing. And that's like crazy. But, you know, sometimes there's just, and I say this all the time, sometimes there's just sample sizes out there that do you more harm than good when you think about it. What's the what's one of the classic examples um, I'll throw out there? I remember, like, K Khabib and Iaquinta was one, you know? 
That was definitely one. For anyone who's looking to support Iaquinta after that, that really fucked you up because anyone supporting Iaquinta, like, well, you need, we went, well, we went along with Khabib. You know, um, but there was another one that I was mentioning, I forget, but it just like, you're better off like forgetting about these sample sizes. They just, they just make no sense and they will only hurt you. Um, I'm not saying it's one of them, but it's kind of how I'm going to treat this Baru, uh, Chidi Ninja Kwani because Chidi usually coasts and doesn't get those kind of finishes even when he does finish, right? Uh, that being said, also Chidi and to his credit, he is a big hitter and that was like a kind of a perfect shot kind of a deal. Good shot. So yeah, I mean, okay. And Baru. He really has gambled on himself. Um, you know, he's doing the conceive, believe, achieve. You know, uh, looked like he took time off a little bit, just jumped back into it. Even announced when he went from, you know, just kind of recreational training to back to full time training, eyes on the prize. Up to three weeks ago, he was already posting on his Instagram saying that he was in shape, ready, staying ready for a fight. So if he was asking for a fight three weeks ago, I mean, I imagine he's only more ready now. Um, and it looks like they granted him a catch weight of 190 because he, he jumps between 205 to mainly 185, which is his weight class. So I'm not too worried about him making the weight there. He got the catch weight. That's going to help him more than it helps Wright, who walks around just over 190. The guy weighed, fought at 205 when he did. He only weighed it at 200 and was like spotted like pounding a whole thing of like liquids before he stepped on. So he weighs somewhere in the 190s. Um, walking around. Jordan Wright. And yeah, Jordan Wright. His first rounder bust, literally, if you look at his record. Um, and his fought cans. And um, even like that Gabe Checo win, like, Gabe Checo is like, looks like he's a, he lost to freaking Rashad Evans, you know? He's a grappler who's doing MMA, but mainly is a grappler. And so it looks like him being knocked out is not much of a surprise. Other people have done it. I think maybe only one other, but the dude's been rocked plenty of times before, even in that, like, uh, even in that fight against, um, uh, Jordan Wright, he gets rocked like three times and low blowed before he gets stopped. And what stops him is like the thing that would stop anybody. It's that uh, Koscheck, uh, that Aljo Marais, Koscheck, Drew Fickett. Um, it's that when you're going to get a head kick, but the knee hits, those are the most brutal knockout shots that put everybody out instantly. It was one of those. And then what, Ike Villanueva off a cut? And Ike probably would have went on to win that fight too, which is fucked up. Um, you know, so, and then, uh, so basically it's just Jamie searching for night. Ooh, ooh, it's night moves. Damn, not night wolf. Uh, it was night wolf. Jamie Pickett, you know, he just kind of falls apart. Um, and, uh, he was doing that. He was asking to be elbowed in the head and getting Travis Brown. Right. Whereas Barrio doesn't do that. He doesn't change his level. He goes head to chest or head to head. And just fucking blast you and like dirty uppercuts. And if someone tries to Muay Thai clench him, Burial fucking fucks him up for it. And that's what Jordan Wright, to me, looks like he wants to do. And um, yeah, and Burial, I think, you know, even if he gets something hit, freaked and wobbled, I feel like he can recover and then come back and win rounds and then end up finishing Jordan Wright. So um, he, he's a parlay piece. I also bet him inside the distance, 0.33 unit at plus 150. Um, and then I did a sprinkle. I used my free play, which was basically 10 bucks, um, for plus 1,200 round three. And I'm going to shout out at Brazchuk on his Twitter spaces for giving out that one. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, that does sound good. I'm like, I got to look into Barrio and stuff anyways in that matchup. So I did today. And uh, I liked what I saw. So I came through clean on my end. So I want to shout Brad, uh, especially if it cashes. But um, I just played inside the distance, and I have him in a parlay. 
so if inside the distance caches, I cover a little bit of that. Um, you know, I, I make a little bit of that back on the parlay exposure slash other side exposure, right? And then if he wins inside the distance round three, well then we, we we're definitely looking nice. We make it we make everything back and then some. We don't even need the other leg. Um, Dwight Grant plus one hundred. Sergey K Honda K Hondusco minus one twenty. I'm just staying away from this fight. I'm picking K Hondusco. Uh, amateur MMA, hand to hand combat, master of sports. Um, but he just essentially has more of a process. But he's got a big layoff, whereas Dwight Grant is more the opportunist. Um, he's got the smallest torso in the world. He's like all arms and head and legs. He has like no torso. Like if you're a body puncher, like good luck finding his body. Maybe that's why he's the body snatcher. Um, but I could see myself trying to bet him and then losing to some opportunistic shit. And be like, yeah, I shouldn't have bet the, dude, bet the dude coming off layoff. Good luck if you're betting that one. I'm picking Kehonda and laying off. Um, all right, next leg of the parlay. Uh, Eorichi Lang. Minus 235. The Mongolian murder. Eorichi Lang. Uh, versus Cameron Eltz. Plus 190. Um... Cameron Elts, a literal one-round fighter. He only wins in round one, or he loses. Uh, he can also lose in round one, too, because he's not... Um, he's like a glass cannon. He's, he's not very fragile. He gasses quickly because he cuts too much weight. He's 5'9", um, and he's a, he's a sizable 5'9", fighting at, at, at bantamweight. Still, I thought he was moving up, but no. Orichi Lang is the fighter moving up. And again, back to... Myra Benasilva, the parlay leg that cash. That uh, I'm gonna follow that trend this week because I think that's a good thing. And uh, again, like uh, you know, like we saw last week, uh, Mongolian fighters fighting out of fight ready, coming out looking good and finally getting some deserved wins after some tough competitive losses, right? With Haley Alatang. Um, so a little bit of that juju there too. But more importantly, uh, Orochi Lang is not even a small flyweight. He's fought at bantamweight most of his career, in fact. Um. He's only like an inch and a half to two inches shorter in the reach and height department. And he looks long, strong. Um, he's the better wrestler because he came up wrestling from a wrestling family. He transitions really well. As long as he doesn't give his neck uh, for a front headlock choke, which most of Cameron Elsa's come against cans or people early in their career, like a bantamweight Patty Pimlet. And look at Patty Pimlet all the way up at lightweight, right? Like the on Cameron Elts, what's he doing? He's older than Patty, and this dude is still fighting at bantamweight. And you, again, that's another thing that I fade. N another reason, another another proven thing. How many of these tall um, bantamweights do I fade? And even when I don't fade them, um, I warn you about picking them like the Sean O'Malley's because they just fucking fall apart. Tall people in these lower weight classes, big flag for me, big flag. I will more than happily bet the taller, the, the tall fighter moving, uh, the taller, uh, the not, he's not the taller fighter, but he's still a tall uh, a fi a fighter for a small weight class. I'll bet, I'll, I'm much more confident in the guy going up in class and the guy killing himself to go down. And Cameron else, he's 31, he's going to be 32 this month. And you guys know what I say. It's about like 29 to 32 range is the, la the the very last years. If they're getting away with it, even the ones that are getting away with it, they're not going to get away with it for much longer. And we've seen people like, uh, you know, uh, Ool and them have to move up around that time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm not off on these things. Uh, could I be wrong here? Of course. It's fucking MMA. But again, I'm laying out a bunch of theories that have legs to it that have either cash long-term, have legs that I can show my work on, or the weird little juju angles with recency bias attached. I, I just laid out all those things. 
Um, Archie Lang, hard puncher, hard counter puncher. Um, good grappler too. He he has like natural propensity to lock up front chokes that like stop even really good takedown artists and submission guys. Um, you know, or at least if that's their game, I should say. I don't know about really good. That's a, more subjective. But Cody Durden, that's his game. It's a strength. Um, and if you look at those fights, like, oh, man, you want to talk about someone being due to win? Like, R.H.E. Lang, I'm, like, watching round two. There's a Jeff Molina fight. I'm like, how did he lose this fight? Because he is, like, clearly beating Jeff Molina for nine minutes of the fight. And then his defense starts, he starts getting a little bit lackadaisical with his defense, and then he eats one. Now, it was the classic he was on one leg that knocked him down, but it was actually a legit um, knockdown. Now, he, 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 he briefly knocked him down earlier in that round, too, Jeff Molina did, but again, um, it was more of, you know, it, it didn't look like it was impact, it was more kind of motion, and Orichi Lang is immediately right back up, and I think lands four strikes in a row without getting hit by Jeff Molina. So I don't know how hurt he was by that one. Oh, and then really rocks Jeff Molina, right? Um, so he's he's clearly winning the second round, but at the very end, right, he has dropped and he looks rocked. And it was just the classic round. And I don't blame anybody for letting that steal around. I'm not like crying about it, but it was I didn't even I don't even think I bet or even picked Orichi Lang, right? Like so believe me, I'm not not crying about it, but I feel for the guy because I'm like, fuck man, like that's oh it's just the worst way, man. And those are like typically the ways that you know, fighters that I bet lose rounds. So I sympathize. Even if I didn't bet, I still sympathize, right? You got to keep that same energy, right? Um, and then you go round three, and he's just, his defense is kind of, like he's just not giving Molina enough respect, and Molina gets some good ones off on him and actually hurts him. But then he comes back and lands the best shots of the very fight because he hurts Molina, who's got, like, a tougher, uh, he's never been stopped, who, like, can, you know, arguably chin bully dudes Molina. He's got such a good chin. But this guy hits him so hard that if the fight would have gone on any longer and if he didn't like crucially like crash into him at the right time, um, he could have possibly gotten the stoppage or easily uh, made the damage that he did do more obvious to the refs. And hopefully the refs would have kept that, or the judges, I mean, would have kept that same energy and um, stayed consistent for giving a, a fighter, uh, you know, uh, the round for rocking at the end like they did for Jeff Molina at round two. So again, it's just, just the ever, the, the fine, literally the finest of margins, Orichi Lang loses that fight. Then he goes and fights Cody Durden, who I picked Durden that fight, and I was actually going to play him. And I remember, like, if I went in my gut instincts that fight, I would have went 3 0 that card, and I ended up not doing so well. And of course, that was the infamous Cody Durden um, racist bullshit go home thing. Um, and it, it was just extra annoying because I went back to watch that fight, and I didn't care, and I picked Cody Durden, like, watching it live the last time I watched it, right? And I'm like, oh shit, like, I get. I could see why judges got bullshitted um, for Cody Durden, but, like, it was just weird. Like, I don't know. Like, I know we got technically more control time in the first round, but I feel like, I feel like there, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Orichi Lang did the, the more damage in all the rounds, but I don't know. Like, he just looked for the worst for wear. Like, even see Durden at the end of the round, the body language looks tired. He really tried hard, didn't get a lot done with his positions, was just pushing against the fence, you know? Like, uh, Orichi Lang got more done with his grappling in defending Durden than Durden got with anything he did. Like, the most Durden got to was he got an angle at his back and one kind of hook in, and when he went to go to the back, he immediately got flung off. Like, he didn't do anything. Like, he didn't get, he didn't really secure um, any advancements, no submission attempts. Wasn't even barely throwing, like, pitter-pat strikes through any of it, especially in the first round. Like, none. So I was just really, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a strong argument. It, it's And it's really hard to say Orichi Lang lost that fight. I know he did technically, but it's like, you go back and watch it. Like, 
uh, it's, this guy literally lost two fights in the most frustrating and finest of margins. If there is a karmatic god, forget my fucking bets. Like, Orichi Lang needs to get a win here. And if he does get a win, which he should, it's because he's the more skilled fighter with the more diverse skill set and the more crux uh, skill sets of knockout power, durability, wrestling, like the important things. You got the round one fading guy who keeps killing himself and going through Wake. He's looking even bigger coming into this than he did for anything else. That's why I thought it was at 145 because Else actually looks bigger than he normally does around this time according to his own Instagram and, and you know doing the side-by-side photos. So... Orichi Lang is the second leg. Um, I also played him inside the distance uh, at plus 100, and I put a half unit on that. So 0.33 units on Barrio inside the distance with a little bit of a flyer, uh, 0.10 free play for me, but 0.10 for that round three. And then the bonus prop for the other leg is Orichi Lang inside the distance plus 100 half unit. So if that hits, it takes the sting off. Um, if Barrio, you know, blows the parlay, doesn't make it back, but it, it takes the sting off. That'll at least cover the Barrio side plays, and then I'll just have to make the uh, unit or whatever the, I laid down for the parlay. Oh yeah, unit because if you uh, pair Arishi Lang minus two thirty five and Barrio minus one ninety up, it's plus one seventeen. Um, I put one unit on that. So if this hits, we're in good shape. That's uh, what I'm hoping for. We'll see. Um, otherwise, we're having a, a hope that. Uh, Guida does vets. Otherwise, we're having to go with the vets. It's another thing. We're going with vets. We're going experience. We're fading first round fighters. Um, I could lose, sure, but I, I'm more. I'm much more comfortable, as you can hear in my voice, with these bets going in this week than last week. And I was upfront with that. Um, and I never tell you guys what to do. I'm not putting a gun in your guys' head. I know this, but I'm just saying. I'm just. It, 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 it's worth bearing repeating here. Um, I do put my money in my where my mouth is, regardless. So I'm going to give these plays out, whether it's an article or a podcast. I better be, because people do tell me, even though I tell them that, you know, make your own decisions. We're all adults. But yeah, that's that's what I'm going to be playing. I'm much more confident in that. I'm going to blow through the rest of this. With that being said, um, Ike Villanueva, plus 475. Tyson Pedro, minus 675. Um, I like Tyson Pedro. It sounds like he has bad luck getting in a competition for like almost a half a decade now, it feels like. And... Obviously, I just went off in the beginning of the podcast. I'm dealing with my own issues, and I'm a nobody. Uh, of course, I'm going to be feel bad for a dude who actually is a pro and actually trying to make a living at this damn thing. Absolutely sympathetic for him, but between the layoff and the training at Jackson Wink and this number, it scared me away. I'm going to take Toss and Pedro inside the distance, but I think that's even like, what, minus 250 or something stupid? Um, we got Preston Parsons, minus, 125, uh, minus 125, and... Evan Elden Ring, Elder, uh, plus 105. Um, don't know much about either of these guys. Evan Elder has a bunch of like kickboxing accolades scattered all over his bio, but you can never be, know, be too sure about that. Um, Preston Parsons, though, man, he's an aggressive guy. He looks like he's a run-around fighter, but at the same time, he is the one that's going to have a full camp here, uh, which I didn't realize. And it's a small cage, so I'm going to favor the pressure fighter who's the better grappler in Preston Parsons. Um Inside the distance or plus by submission, I feel like that would be worth a sprinkle maybe if you were really desperate for action on any of these fights. But I didn't look into it, so I can't tell you to do that. And I have, I don't I don't fucking loyalty to that. I've trained with them, you know, uh, on a trip to Alliance back in the day, so I don't really know them. But I guess if you want to count that as a bias, whatever. But yeah, uh, Preston Parsons here by submission. Um, I wonder what that number is. I'm going to look it up right now. Parsons by submission plus 245-ish neighborhood. 
yeah, around that, I would maybe take a little bit of stab. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows if you want to. Um, Brackney on minus 120, Felipe Lins. I wanted to look into this one. Maybe Lins, but then I'm like, nah. You know what? Prakney has been on a roll. Why don't you stop betting against him um, and do your research? And since I didn't do my research, I'm not going to bet against him or pick against him. So I'll pick Prakney out, and I stayed away. Again, I clearly did a lot of research for these fights, so don't take it too seriously. Dean Barry, whoever, who the fuck is that? Minus 1125, uh, Mike Jackson. I think Dean Barry has like kickboxing accolades on his shit too. But again, who knows what to make of that? Uh, Mike Jackson has golden gloves on his, but, you know... Uh, results may vary with those accolades as well. No offense to Mike Jackson. Not going to shit on him. Happy for you, brother, doing your thing. Go get it. I uh, hope you do well, but I will pick Dean Barry. Um, yeah, all right. How do we do on time there? 143. Again, my, uh, hour and 43 every time, folks. Every time. All right, going to recap. Uh, pick some plays. Um, Bellator Hawaii. Uh, the only thing I really went over there was uh, taking Carmouche and uh, playing her. Uh, by decision, sprinkled in one house, but money line plus 135 or 125. That's what I ended up getting it for because I waited. Uh, Bellator 279, leaning toward all the favorites. Cyborg over Blanco. Stotts over uh, Archuleta. Uh, McFarlane over Quiche, feel more confident about. And not as confident as Horiguchi. Patchy, perhaps, but we'll see. I'll see where I end up on that. Check out my main card picks and prognostications. And if I end up do end up on the favorites and then UFC is doing well, depending on the time difference, because this will be late, that card, I may parlay all four of those in the neighborhood of plus 180. So we'll see. Check out my Twitter at DanTomMMA to see what I do there. Uh, recapping picks and plays for UFC Fight Night. Taking Andrade over Lemos. Taking Guida over Poyez. Taking Barbara <laughs> over De La Rosa. Taking Jordan over Venata. Taking Romanoff over Sherman. Taking Barryu over Wright. Taking Kehanda Kehandasko over Grant. Taking Orishi Lang, the Mongolian murderer, over Else. Taking Tossin Pedro over Villanueva. Taking Parsons over Elden Ring. Taking Prachniao over Linz. Taking Barry over Jackson. Um, parlayed Orishi Lang and Mark Barryu uh, for plus 117 at one unit. Took Carmouche money line plus 125 one unit. Took Guida money line minus 120 for 1.2 units. Sprinkled a little bit of Carmouche decision at one house, uh, half a unit at plus 225. Andrade inside the distance plus 135 at one unit. Orichi Lang inside the distance plus 100. Barry U inside the distance plus 150. Uh, sprinkled on Barry U round two for my free play plus 1200 at point 10 units. That's 10, 10 dollars, 10 ducats. If you round robin, I suggest you round robin Andrade inside the distance or Richie Lang inside the distance, Barryu inside the distance, and either if you like Carmouche inside the distance, want to feel spicy, do that. If you're feeling me there, if not, then I say, you know, get chalky and either throw Tyson Pedro or uh, Alexander Romanoff as your fourth. Um, and if you want to do five, go ahead, I guess, there too, but uh, as your fourth for the typical round robin four, which I give if I have. If I don't, I don't give as I did not give last week because it was not confidence there. Um, unfortunately, I'm at a shit house still. Uh, so all I can do is parlay props. So the ones I chose to parlay, I couldn't parlay the Carmouche decision prop in that house even if I wanted to. So it was only UFC. I just parlayed uh, Andrade inside the distance or Richie Lang inside the distance and bury you inside the distance if they all finish for plus 175. I use my free play in that house for 0.13 units. Bad luck, 13, 13 ducats. Um, 
just for fun. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, yeah, I already laid out my um, Carmouche play. All right, folks, MixedMartialAnalyst.com to support this here show uh, for the uh, PayPal, uh, secure PayPal links. If you want to donate to this for your free program, that will remain free. And I've been doing free for half a decade and will continue to do for free. Uh, or you can also find it in my link tree for those secure PayPal links um, at Dan Tom MMA on social platforms. Twitter is where I'm really at and am active at the PYM podcast on all social platforms. Like, follow, subscribe. It really helps. I won't pollute your feed. Uh, subscribe on uh, YouTube, uh, Daniel Tom MMA. Uh, I don't deserve it, but you can. Uh, five star ratings and reviews are appreciated. You know, I throw in the music and the editing on these here shows if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. Five star ratings and reviews really help folks. Um, I'll, I'll go and read them off when I have time and I don't push the limits. All right, that's it. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your neck. We don't need no saving changes. We don't need no birth control. Well, let's not get crazy now. You're the mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a lying little bitch. You're a squeeble in a scuttle, and your penis causes trouble, Mr. Grinch. Ah, that's a good sound check.